All right, you're welcome along. It's Thursdays off the ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. It is Christmas Eve Eve, but we ain't slowing down. We've got a packed show coming your way. Mona McSharry, bronze medalist at the World Short Course Swimming Championships last week. She's going to join us at half past seven to look back on an incredible year. Also the first Irish swimmer in a quarter of a century to get to an Olympic final. So that coming up at half past seven. That means John Giles is going to be with us on the football show. He's going to be uh, looking back on 2021, giving out his player of the year his most disappointing player of the year you can give us your thoughts on them on 53106 and we'll talk to a man who is an Irish midfielder of some note in his own right and hoping to go on and become one of those legendary players Josh Cullen played more minutes than anybody for Stephen Kenny this season playing his club football over in Anderlecht he'll be joining me on the football show as well and between 8 and 9 Brian O'Driscoll will be talking to us about everything that's been going on in a pretty crazy couple of weeks in rugby. So 53106 is the text number at Off The Ball if you want to get in touch on social media. Joe Malloy is with us. Good evening, Joe. Good evening, Nathan. How you doing? Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. So much going on in the world, you kind of forget to say Happy Christmas, everybody. Like It's more, how you getting on? Yeah, it's a strange Christmas. You don't have to predict anything. Thankfully, mine is largely happy at the moment. Good. Good, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, you've sort of been doing your sporting highlights with everybody else across the week so far. Yeah. So i got to put yeah. you on the spot. So. Oh. Well, Euro 2020 for me, just that whole month, I really enjoyed that month of football more than any, certainly football and maybe sport across a kind of period of time. Euro 2020, broadly speaking anyway, was I just thought it was great. And you know what, I, I, I was saying to Philippe and Graham last night who were uh, stunningly good in the football show that... I'd kind of really bought into this notion that international football has been left badly behind by the Champions League and quality won't be that good. And, you know, there is a certain kind of homogenous quality to international football at the moment. You know, tournaments, they all look the same. The pitches look the same. The stadiums look the same. Mm. And uh, so I just kind of just I was like, oh, the Euros, yeah, no, it'll be good. And then it blew me away. I just really bloody enjoyed the Euros. So that was a big highlight for sure. And definitely we touched on it on Golf Weekly. Uh, today when we were looking back on the year I mean the weekend where Phil Mickelson aged 50 became the oldest major winner and held off Brooks Kepka and everybody else was just incredible you know for you we, we obviously enjoy our golf and we definitely thought Phil's days of winning these things were behind us and there was drama and some miracle shots and it was kind of a it had a match play quality and then the scenes on 18 with crowds surrounding the two players were like a throwback to open days of your and we mentioned as well today, in the last like 500 days, Mickelson's had one top 10. That was it. Mm. I mean, this was uh, magic caught in a bottle because there was nothing to suggest this was kind of coming. So uh, those two for me, Euro 2020 and uh, Phil were the two that really got me going. Mickelson knows that as well because anytime he's questioned about his golf game in any way, it's, yeah, but I won the PGA. Yeah. So nothing yeah, yeah, else yeah. really matters for what I do this year in any other event. And he did win, I think, three times on the seniors tour in four events when he rocks up there for a bit of a laugh. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I think those scenes coming down 18, which were a little bit reminiscent of Shane Lowry at Port Rush as well, where the crowd just absolutely swarmed him. It was a bit more raucous, I think, with Phil Mickelson. It felt like it was oh, yeah. about to kick off and there was Brooks was stuck in the middle of it, not looking in any way happy and looking like he might... Uh, just maybe throw the odd little dig here or there. But yeah, Mickelson was definitely, I think we all agreed, probably the one takeaway out of 2021 that in 10 years' time people will still be talking about How to go happen. and finally build that record and, yeah. and, and break it after Julius Boris, I think, had it for about 40 years. Yeah. 
who knows when we'll see it again. I know you often, and I don't disagree with you, you often think Podrick Harrington might be just crazy and wonderful enough to break that record. So we'll see. But like 50, you're really starting to push it there. Yeah. Phil is in better shape now, though, than he was when he was 30. Way better shape. Yeah. Intermittent fasting, apparently. And lots of coffee. coffee of a, a very specific of type of coffee and sunglasses. Yeah. That's where we're heading to, Joe. That's our midlife yeah. crisis. Uh, Amory Donlan is with us well. How are you, Amory? Hi. Go on your sporting highlight. I presume it was Phil Mickelson as well. Oh, you got me. Um, <laughs> no. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> um, mine's Rachel Blackmore, but not necessarily the um, Grand National or even getting the six winners at Cheltenham. I think the most special moment was when she won the hurdle because it's the first day of the festival and it there was just that kind of sense like anyone who has like a passing interest in racing over the last two years knows that Rachel Blackmore has been knocking on that door like she had the first winner at Cheltenham two years ago then she had an amazing Leopardstown just the year before that and there was just a sense like almost she was kind of like taking her place like in like the eyes of the world but like obviously nobody could anticipate what was coming but and I love as well the way she talks about Honeysuckle like they've such an incredible relationship almost the two of them like Rachel will say it's all um down to Honeysuckle but like obviously Rachel's such an incredibly intelligent rider and I just think they've that incredible um bond between them and obviously she's unbeaten on her but like she just talks so passionately about her she literally does just love that mare so I think that was like really special for her to win it on Honeysuckle on the first day of the festival and then obviously to go on do what she did was incredible but um another one for me as well i don't know if many people have said this allison's goal um in was it the second last game of the season nathan mm, I yeah did, yeah i i black i think i blacked out or something at that stage you passed out i yeah. definitely passed out um at, at that stage yeah i got a little bit excited around that goal it's got to be said yeah that was a i think it was so unexpected yeah. In that the game was over, it was done. But Liverpool's it kind of top four well, hopes like, were done. Defines yeah. Liverpool as a football club. Like nothing is ever simple. Nothing is ever straightforward. And like they were disgraceful last year. They didn't deserve top four at all, let alone third, where they eventually finished. But this insane moment wins it for them. And then I loved his interview afterwards. I think it was Jeff Shreves was because it was actually a really good header as well. He was like. Do, do you practice headers and like if so why like when are you going to need like this particular skill but obviously it was great that he did because it went on to be such a good goal but um yeah like they two for me were kind of two mad moments mm. oh. Oh. <laughs> I just have it on standby all the time Poor old Vinnie Perth was on commentary alongside me and was nearly in tears because he, never came he, back. Had, <laughs> he had jumped up at such a speed. He had smashed his knee full whack off the table and was in absolute hmm. agony within seconds. But it was that sort of goal that uh, I don't think anyone was quite expecting it to happen no. the way it did. That That's his ringtone, Anne-Marie. Yeah. yeah. That's just, that's just uh, my wife calling me there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
But I did enjoy your commentary because I was in here and obviously we had it on the TV and the radio outside was on and the radio is like maybe like 10 seconds ahead of the TV. Like there's a little bit of a delay on the telly. So you just hear Nathan going insane. So we were all like, oh my God, something like really crazy is going to happen. And then it was like that jump out of your seat moment. Well, it was the most messages I've ever got from people saying, I literally nearly crashed my car (laughs) from pretty much silence to insanity in the space of about half a second. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that Alison Gold was uh, was this year. It seems like it was a lifetime ago. Yeah. Ra- I was Ra- saying that the other night. Ra- Rachel Blackmore, uh, because we've spent so much time talking about her for the last few weeks and all the awards she's won, it's good to actually hear you break down, actually hear is, um, go back to the week of Cheltenham because it is such a long time ago. And I did wonder in March when it came to award season whether, whether it would be so fresh in the minds or whether the Olympics would be there and whether how everyone felt at that moment will be forgotten about but it's brilliant that it hasn't been and you could see particularly I think in the BBC Sports Awards that it still hasn't really sunk in with her as to how much of a superstar she is yeah still very humble I mean I would say the truth is and it's probably true of lots of jockeys that Rachel Blackmore can go through normal life into Dublin going about her business and not be recognised mm-hmm. so you know the, the, the superstardom probably hasn't inflated things or changed things um, to any great extent. And I, I suspect she's probably just a humble type anyway. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised it endured. It was amazing. I mean, she definitely, uh, she, like, it was just the story that week and everybody was watching the races and it gathered momentum as you realised that, you know, she was on for being top jockey. And then, of course, the Grand National, you've got how many million watching that. Like, I do think the rowers suffered from being on at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. Ke- I was just saying Kelly, to Ronan, Kelly, the Olympics in general... Um, suffered big time. Suffered, um, and yeah. look, that's, that, that always happens. That always happens. Uh, the saving grace for Kelly Harrington was she was on, it was either a Saturday or Sunday morning, but it was 8, 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, or maybe even a bit later, or a bit earlier rather. But like, you could get up for it and you kind of remember the scenes at the house and there was a huge crowd there and, you know, the beautiful scenes and yeah. in fairness, Orty did well to capture them of uh, the neighbours sprinting to the house because obviously they had a sign outside the house saying, will you leave us alone for the bloody fight? Thanks very much. And then the neighbours sprinting up and them flinging open the door in this, you know, kind of community all hugging each other. And it, that was amazing. But the rowers, I haven't looked at what the top 10 most viewed sporting events were. I wouldn't think the rowers, in terms of people who watched it live and a kind of communal moment which registered with everybody at the same time and on Twitter and across the country, they didn't get that. So I wouldn't think it's anywhere near the top 10. So I think they really suffered for that. Well, you can see that by the nominations and the winners of the RTU Awards. I, I, yeah, not crazy. to even get nominated was insane. Uh, last yeah. night's analysis of the state of football by Graham and Philippe was without question one of the OTB highlights of the year. Please make it an annual event, says Brian. I haven't heard, but I will make it part of my Christmas listening. They are top, 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 top. They're just so good. And like one of them doing that on their own, perfect. But the two of them going at it and tearing apart football. Uh, I mean, it's a slightly negative listen. They're fairly down on the state of football, but uh, they're just such brilliant communicators and they've loads to talk about and everything from, uh, I mean, (laughs) what sticks in the memory is the way they tore Wenger apart. And they really feel that Wenger has gone from being a romantic and a voice of integrity for football to taking FIFA's money to do their Mm terrible bidding with this biennial World Cup idea, which they both hate. So they're great and all that kind of stuff, you know. Is that one of the most shocking developments in football? Because Wenger was sort of seen as this godfather of football, a man who could do no wrong, who always genuinely had the best interests of the sport at heart. And then to see what he's become over the past 12 months just really jars. 
really jars. And there's no financial imperative for him to do it. That's the thing. I mean, he's managed more games in the Premier League than anyone. Managed more than Alex Ferguson. So how much was he getting paid a year, I wonder, at the end of his Arsenal career? Plenty. So it's a strange one. And I don't really understand the motivation. He was always so classy as well. And it just oh, feels so right. dirty now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And like one of the treats of... Uh, you know, a, a Friday in our line of work was when the various press conferences were happening in the Premier League. I mean, a Wenger press conference where he's asked football, quote unquote, football questions that weren't, you know, mm. are you dropping are you dropping X at the weekend or is there a rift with so and so or what do you make of Ferguson? When he was just asked about the game, uh, he was brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's strange. And the two boys, Philippe in particular, his heart is kind of broken because uh, he obviously loved Wenger and loves Arsenal. When Alison scored, I wasn't watching, but I genuinely thought my next door neighbour had just been electrocuted. <laughs> it was a scream similar to the electrocution in Home Alone. That's from Sean. Yeah. Uh, JP says it's not an electrocution in Home Alone. One of the wet bandits burns his hand on the doorknob. Yeah. Is there not watched an electrocution on, at some stage? No, I, I watched it on Saturday. The, the big scream is the, uh, is the handle, yeah. Right. I was trying to convince my kids to watch um, Home Alone last night and they just weren't having it. I was very upset. Because really? it's number one on my list of Christmas movies, so I'm going to... Have they never seen it? I, I think they have. For some reason, I, I think they were a bit young when they saw it first, so they don't quite get it. Get it. Whereas now, surely, they find it hilarious. Oh, it stands up. It stands up. 100%. Just do you know, one, actually, why I was... Like do you know, and two. Oh, two's very underrated. Two's great as well. I love two. And Brenda Frick yeah. is in two. She sure is. Mm-hmm. As is Donald Trump, of course. There's yeah, talk of trying talk to <laughs> take Donald Trump out of it digitally and replace him with somebody. Uh, do you know what I'm watching, actually? I give it a hearty recommendation. It's not Christmas Eve, but... The new Beatles documentary. Ah, oh. have you seen any of this? Yes, no. I've seen it. Seen it all. Oh. oh my God, it's powerful, isn't it? It is the best TV that has been made this year. Seven oh. and a half hours. Sit down, relax over the Christmas, and it's perfect Christmas viewing because you can yeah. dip in and out. Like there's no beginning, there's no end. It doesn't really matter, and it is just magic. There are so many bits of it that you take so much out of to change your opinion of the Beatles. And of how great music is made and how bands work together. Oh, it's it's addictive. I will go back and watch it again. Same. I'm you're, you're taking words out of my mouth here. I was just blown away by the whole thing. How brilliant it is. I can't believe everyone's not talking about it. I get that eight hours of just watching the lads do their thing. Well, I think it's on Disney Plus is probably the, is, the other yeah, problem that yeah, not yeah. everybody has Disney Plus. Because I was the same. I couldn't understand how this hasn't been a complete phenomenon. And it's not oh. Beatles everywhere. And I know I think maybe Let It Be, the re-releases might be the Christmas number one album again. And I'm sure, Amory, you must have seen the bit where Paul McCartney is writing Get Back. No. Oh, he just you. comes in it's okay. like magic. sits there strumming the guitar with one note up and down. George and Ringo are literally yawning in his face as he's coming yeah. up with the melody. They're so bored because they've been, they don't really Thank like each so. other at this stage. And in the space of about five minutes, he comes up with Get Back. And yeah, yeah it's just, it, well, it, you sort of think there's, there was magic to the Beatles, but it's so monotonous for so long. And they just sit there forcing the music out of themselves and eventually yeah. it's oh it's just brilliant because they initially start off at a venue that they hate rehearsing twickenham this big kind of airplane hangar type room and they hate the sound and george is deeply unhappy and you get to see a few little rows where paul mccartney's telling them what to do and george is obviously sick of 15 years of watching mccartney and lennon dictate what they're going to do and he leaves the band 
and then eventually he comes back and they move to studios in London which are more intimate and they instantly love the room and you go from eight hours of misery at Twickenham where John Lennon seems stoned or just out of it and not engaged and at one point there's a very candid moment where McCartney kind of goes over to him and says because they've a two week deadline to write this album and McCartney's like have you written anything and Lennon's like no and you can see like McCartney's breaking because he knows he feels the end but then in in the middle part they get to the London studios and Lennon is just like reborn as a person. George is back in the band. They love the vibe. And man, when they just start playing with each other and just like because in Hamburg, they used to just learn all the new songs off jukeboxes when they came out. So they've got this kind of arsenal of whatever song you want. They start playing it and, you know, they're just having the crack. It's a far for a band that are about to break up. I couldn't believe how happy they all well, were that's... and how much they still enjoyed each other. And they were having so many laughs. And the biggest last point, sorry, the biggest thing I, I Paul McCartney, as an older man, never did it for me. I just thought, I just don't, I can't warm to this guy. I just, there's something irritating about him. Just don't get it. I don't get Paul McCartney. And after watching this, he's made, at this point, with the beard and the flowing hair, and the genius, I mean, like, just the palpable genius. I'm in awe of McCartney now. And the John Lennon, I just had totally wrong. My perception of Lennon was, takes himself very seriously, mm. the pictures with Yoko Ono, let's have world peace, like, absolute snooze fest and then you see him here at this period of his life man what a messer oh like so just what a messer so much crack like non-stop and i i feel vindicated watching because i used to have so many rows with one of my mates when we were kids about lennon and mccartney and he was convinced that lennon would hate mccartney and everything mccartney ever was and like this is when they're splitting up this is within yeah. 18 months of them splitting up and actually yeah it's it's breaking clearly they're just fed up with each other they've spent too much time together they just don't want to be in each other's company but when the music starts and when there's no stress and there's no business being talked about they can tell they still love each other that they still oh. click that they there's nothing that does it for them quite like the four of them playing together so yeah, yeah watch it and what's brilliant as well is it the peter jackson has done such an unbelievable job in the restoration you forget that it's a documentary that this actually happened until Linda McCartney's in taking photographs and they flash up some of the photographs and actually yeah. then it goes from photographs straight back to live. You're going, actually, these aren't actors. This was in the room Real. 50 and, years you know, ago. Watching them workshop problems in songs, like going, oh, but if we go back to the chorus there, you're an A and I'm a D. How do we get around that? Like watching them work stuff out is just amazing. And yeah, on Lennon and McCartney, there's times where they're singing to each other when it's going well and they've moved to the studio they like and they're just holding this eye contact with each other when they're singing. And you realize, like, these guys have known each other since they're 12 years old. It's like this love affair. There's times where, you know, that that song, On My Way Home, mm. Two of Us, dun, dun, and you can, I, that's now no longer in my head a love song between, you know, uh, Lennon and Girl or McCartney and Girl. It's the two of them with each other, you know what I mean? And that's absolutely amazing. So, uh I, that is that is worth Disney Plus for the for the month, I think. Well, and also one last recommendation before we get to the actual sport. I just finished <laughs> it last night in Disney Plus. These guys don't even pay us. We're just doing this for nothing. It's outrageous. This is, this is bad. Uh, this is the most anti-Christmas thing you could watch. Dope sake. Have you seen this? Uh, it's on the list. Oh, Michael it, yeah. Keaton is just incredible in it. Uh, it's not yeah. going to cheer you up in any way over Christmas in the way the Beatles. But you know the yin and the yang of the two of them. Uh, the Anne Marie. Anne Marie, have we sold it to you? I don't have Disney Plus. Yeah, we're well, saying Jesus, if they don't month. give you a freebie Can after I sign this, Amory. On one of your accounts. I think we shouldn't talk about that on air. <laughs> <laughs> don't have any left. 
Yeah, that that moment when he's writing Get Back is like me in every off the ball production meeting. That's where what I was there's just genius, thinking, There's yeah. genius coming out, and everyone else is just yawning in the room, going, "This is this is terrible. This is I really want to move on it's from this." Uh, before great. we finally get into the what will be basically three minutes of a news round, uh, off the ball would like to apologise to Texter Brian. There is in fact an electrocution scene in Home Alone where Marv's skeleton is illuminated for a split second. Off the ball extends a heartfelt apology to anyone affected by this deeply regrettable mistake committed by shambolic producer JP. He will be disciplined, and I go as far to say. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't return in the new year. But. Gillette, news round. They're sponsoring it still. Don't you worry. Put your best face forward with their new and improved razors. Amory, come on, run us through it. Uh, two Premier League St. Quick, Stephen's Quick, Amory, Amory, quicker. have been quick. postponed due to COVID outbreaks in squads. Wolves against Watford and Liverpool against Leeds at Anfield were both announced to be off today. As things stand, seven games are set to go ahead on St. Stephen's Day, but it's highly unlikely that that will happen. Everton had a request to postpone their match against Burnley, rejected by the Premier League. Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola Viola has come out today saying he believes they should be able to go back to making five substitutions a game to protect player welfare. We're due to have Manchester City against Leicester live on St. Stephen's Day. I'm not going to do any prep for this (laughs) because it could well end up being any game that gets underway at three o'clock. So there's two gone already. But even if these games do go ahead, like what squads are going to play? Like if you have so many players out, how can you prep for these? Well, exactly. And like, there's definitely questions. If this ends up in a tight title race, there will be questions at some stage about the integrity of it and teams who had matches postponed and teams who just ended up missing three or four players who couldn't get their game postponed. Like what Pep Guardiola is talking about with five substitutions, like the number one team that benefits from that is Manchester City, who have yes. more strength than anybody. So I'm not quite sure that's the answer. Yeah. Uh, are Manchester United back? Not back? I've lost track. They're it's back in training. Track. I saw, I know this because... Um, I follow Cristiano Ronaldo on Instagram and he had pictures up of training and celebrating with his very short shorts and showing off okay. all... They don't play on Stephen's Day, though. They play the 27th. No. I know it's only one extra day, but... Yeah, they're back. Yeah. So they should be... Again, we're now at the stage coming out of it where teams like Tottenham, who were uh, hit very early on, are now able to play a run of games and sides like Leeds who are just being hit by it are probably going to end up missing the entire Christmas period. Uh, Jurgen Klopp was talking last night in full of praise for Cueving Kelleher. Yeah, he led the praise for the Cork youngster after a special night at Anfield for him. Liverpool beat Leicester City 5-4 on penalties to reach the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. It finished up 3-all after 90 minutes. The 23-year-old did concede two goals in the first half uh, uh, to Leicester and he did make two pretty bad mistakes. In the the second half then though he made some crucial saves and also set up Minamino for Liverpool's dramatic late equaliser here's a very excited Jurgen Klopp at full time I, I love them I, honestly I loved them before but I fell in love again because it's such, a, it's such an incredible character um, but they show more often than not um, yeah it's absolutely insane I'm, 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 so, I'm so happy about this performance tonight um, by the way, Cleve Keller, not only the two penalties, but the big chance Albright had in the second half. So it was always clear that they will have one or two counter-attacking still. Um, and that you need a goalie, but we have a goalie, thank God, then. And he's an outstanding goalie. And, um, ah, yeah, you're right. So many outstanding individual performances, but that's how a good football team, uh, how you can get a good football team, a uh, good football game. Uh, it's a special group. It's absolutely a special group. How I said, I was in love with them before the game. I fell in love again. Um, it's so nice that the young kids coming up, really, 
breathing in all the things from from the more experienced boys how the more experienced boys deal with them he was a little bit hyper after the game last night huh. uh, I love just Klopp. in the middle the oh you know just <laughs> he love just these guys. doesn't know what to say just love these guys uh, it doesn't sound like Cuevin Keller is going anywhere in terms of going out and loan and doing yeah. uh, following the Gavin Bazuna route and Listen, who knows how it ends up he probably does need Alisson to end up unfortunately getting injured for a spell and he gets a run of games and gets to force his way in because he's in a really difficult position as you say I'm really last night like he probably could have done better for a couple of the goals mm-hmm. but he's going into a team for a game every three months when it's almost always a weakened team and they were so loose and so open in the first half last night like, it's not going in behind uh, Matty Van Dyke, Robertson Alexander-Arnold defence it's such a totally different experience yeah, and you'd imagine like he's like when he does play like there you can see Allison's influence on him like he's training with probably the best goalkeeper in the world and you'd imagine like he has picked up so much for him but like how do you balance that are you going to stay at a club where you're not probably going to get much first team football and train with the best goalkeeper in the world or do you go and get first team football? Well Ireland are the test case it seems Joe. Yeah, I mean, it's working out for Bazunu. He's man in uh, pole position. I can't wait to see how that all plays out over the next decade. Do you know the other thing about last night? You think of all the lesser clubs, as in Liverpool have won a Champions League and a league very recently. And so they're within their rights to park something like the Carabao Cup. And yet last night's one of the best nights of the year mm. for all the fans. And then you've got lots of clubs in the Premier League who are sacrificing the Carabao Cup. And actually, you kind of lose sight of what football is all about. I know the finances are important and you've got to stay up and you've got to do as well as you can the league. But I mean, knockout football, you know, a little return to that is no bad thing. Yeah, the Carabao Cup is a weird one in that it's not as important as the FA Cup, but always tends to be a better competition and get better. Yeah, and I think it's because it's it's midweek. It's Tuesday, Wednesday night. There's nothing else on. So you suddenly find yourself at 10 o'clock watching a penalty shootout. You're fully into it. A uh, couple of other stories, Amory. You might go to the rugby. Good news on Conor Murray. Yeah, a busy day in terms of contracts across the provinces. As you said, Conor Murray signed a new IRFU contract and that'll see him stay at Munster until the summer of 2024. The scrum half has won 92 Ireland caps and he's played 153 times for Munster that's since making his debut back in 2010 Tom Daly then has agreed a new two-year deal with Connacht the centre received his first call-up to the Irish squad for last summer's internationals and Stuart McCluskey Nathan Doak and Ethan McElroy all committed their futures to Ulster today signing new contracts uh, the darts keeps rolling on but um, Irish interests uh, unfortunately a bad day for today yeah Brendan Dolan knocked out of the PDC World Championship the Fermanagh man lost his second round match at Alexander Palace to Callan Rids three sets to nil so not much of a contest there this evening the former world champions Raymond Van Barneveld and Rob Cross are, is the pick of the ties that's underway at nine and finally this news actually came out just after we recorded Golf Weekly today but it's really good news for Irish golf Oh, you'll have to have an extra bonus episode. That's what the <laughs> listeners want. The tone, the tone of it, Amory. I'm your top subscriber. The Ladies European Tour announced today that the Irish Open is set to return in 2022. The tournament will take place here for the first time since 2012. The Solheim Cup captain, Katrina Matthews, won that year. A venue has not yet been confirmed. Yeah, this is great news, Joe. It, it reminded me in a way of what's gone on with women's rugby in this country and that they had such a great opportunity around 2014 2015 to kick on Irish golf is in such a brilliant place around about 2012 and the Solheim Cup and the momentum they built through the Irish Open and they just sort of threw it all away yeah 
and um, it is it's fantastic. It's great. European Tour has had its struggles, men's and uh, women's. So it's great that Ireland's back on the map, and hopefully that continues. And you know, it, it's long overdue. I mean, to think it hasn't happened in ten years is it's extraordinary. Really, it's funny on Golf Weekly we were sort of doing our highs and lows at the end, and the state of the Irish men's open from the highs of the Hinch a couple of years ago. COVID hit has really damaged it. It's not a Rolex series and it's not on a Lynx course. So you kind of hope we can um, kick both on because there's such a, there's such like worldwide affinity for golf in Ireland that the men's and Irish, the men's and women's Irish opens should be real marquee events and boat tours. Yeah, absolutely. I think, listen, you get back into the old debate about Lynx golf and what type of course it debate. should be on. Not, not, a, not a debate for us, is it, though? Uh, Lynx no. all the way. No, exactly. It should be Lynx all the way. Um, and no venue confirmed as of yet, but listen, they have uh, the superstar of European golf, I'm sure, is guaranteed to be there in Leona Maguire, which is a nice little starting place for them. So, yeah, we'll cover that a lot. On Golf Weekly next year. The and golf Weekly is offering off. to go, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, Amory, you can come along as well if you oh. want. Just change yeah. that attitude around the old golf weekly first. That can be your New Year's resolution, all right? Okay. Happy I told Christmas. you, top subscriber. Top subscriber. Get my idea. January what, what, subscription in now, yeah. What does top subscriber even mean? <laughs> that I like it the most. Oh, right. Okay. okay. <laughs> told you, thought you were offering to pay more. Pay more, I Nathan, thought. Nathan, don't be getting ahead of yourself now. All right, we got to leave it there. Amory, thank you very much. Thank you. Joe, happy Christmas. Have a great Christmas, everyone. Nathan, Anne-Marie, take care. Cheers. All right. Happy Christmas, guys. And let's say Golf Weekly is up. Get on to otbsports.com forward slash Golf Weekly. You can subscribe there. We've got loads of good stuff lined up for 2022. Now, every night this week, we've been giving away a 1,500 euro one-for-all gift card with thanks to On Pulse. To be given a chance of winning, just identify our mystery voice who's trying not to think about the Christmas presents he asked Santa for this year. I'm trying not to think about it because I think I would get overexcited. Wouldn't we all? Text your name and answer for 53106 and we'll contact you a little bit later on. Remember, you can avoid a gifting disaster and give that special someone something they really want by choosing a one-for-all gift card. They're available in all on-post offices nationwide, open from open until 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve and online at onpost.com forward slash one-for-all. Up next, we're going to be talking to Mona McSharry. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors.